The Council of Agriculture is set to report to the legislature on the egg shortage on March 1st. The council has proposed six options for solving the shortage. They include making distribution adjustments, importing 5 million whole and liquid eggs in March, and making adjustments to the cold storage and shipment of eggs, among other moves. In the median to long term, the council said it would offer incentives to egg farmers who increase production, would assist breeders with the import of breeding chickens, and would help farmers improve chicken coops to make them more resilient to inclement weather. During the interview for the CBS program Face the Nation, CIA Director William Burns said that Chinese leader Xi Jinping has doubts about China's ability to invade Taiwan. Russia's experience in its war of aggression against Ukraine had also reinforced those doubts, he said. Let's hear one expert's response to that interview. First of all, Chinese leader Xi Jinping remains unsure about how much foreign military intervention there would be in the event of a war in the Taiwan Strait and about how much our military strength has grown. He's not 100% convinced that China could achieve a sweeping victory. There's also the issue that Russia's military strength turned out to be seemingly far less than our assessments. The PLA faces many similar issues to those plaguing Russia's military, and it remains to be seen whether those issues would make the PLA little more than a paper tiger. The researcher said the PLA remains concerned about what consequences there would be of an invasion of Taiwan. Meanwhile, Taiwan is continuing to invest in strengthening its defense capabilities. And Australia recently held a two-week joint exercise in the Pacific with Australia playing the role of China's PLA Air Force. At one point, the drill saw an Australian surveillance aircraft doing low-altitude maneuvers over the waters near Taiwan. A retired military official says that the maneuvers were meant to stimulate Chinese aircraft movement as well as to build a database of Chinese electronic signals. He said Taiwan should seek to participate in the drills in the future and that its participation would be a valuable experience. The Air Force recently detected incursions into the northern part of Taiwan's ADIZ by an Australian military aircraft, which entered the ADIZ four times. Commenting on the issue, a retired Air Force official said the incursions were likely part of the Cope North joint military exercises between Australia, the U.S., Japan, and France. Australia played the part of the Chinese military in the exercises. Australia is more than 5,000 kilometers away from Taiwan, but it came all the way here to participate in these exercises. Exercises. The Australian aircraft flew at a very low altitude, from 1,200 feet, which is under 400 meters, down to 40 meters, flying like that over the sea. It was simulating low-altitude flight maneuvers by the Chinese military. The aircraft was an AP-3C, which is a surveillance aircraft that has lots of equipment on board used for electronic warfare. It's being used to build an electromagnetic database for signals around the Taiwan Strait. This large database will help prepare those countries to deal with China's electromagnetic and complex electromagnetic environments in the event of warfare. The two-week Cope North 2023 exercises centered on Anderson Air Force Base in Guam and extended to other locations in the Pacific, including the Northern Mariana Islands, Palau, and the Japanese island of Iwo Jima. Since the scope of the Cope North exercises includes the Taiwan was straight, it is necessary for us to try to send an observation team to the U.S. We could go and participate in some of the work involved to see how it's done. In half a month, we could learn very valuable experience because it's a real battlefield and is close to actual combat.
With the Cope North exercises encompassing areas in and around the Taiwan Strait, the retired official says Taiwan must be included. Given increasing support for Taiwan in Washington, perhaps Taiwan's participation in the joint exercises will be on the books in the future. Taiwan independence activist and presidential office advisor Gu Kuanming passed away on Monday at the age of 96. For decades, Gu had been an outspoken advocate for Taiwan's independence from the ROC, being the founder of a foundation pushing for a new constitution in Taiwan. Leaders of pro-independence groups say that though Ku is no longer with them, his work will live on. Presidential Office Advisor Gu Kuanmin was a vocal advocate for drafting a new constitution that does away with references to the ROC in Taiwan. He did not live to see his dream become reality as he passed away on Monday at the age of 96. He had been in the intensive care unit for quite a long time already. When my colleague went to see him, he was already unconscious. The Taiwan New Constitution Foundation is one of the earliest advocates for the causes that the United Formosans for Independence is trying to promote, so their work of pushing for a new constitution for Taiwan will live on. Activists in the pro-independence camp mourn Gu's loss. President Tsai Ing-wen, Premier Chen Jianren, and Presidential Office Secretary General Lin Jialong posted eulogies on social media. <laughs> The happiness and safety of this generation, the next generation, and generations after that is our most important mission now. Gu was born in 1926 in Zhanghua's Lugang Township. His father was business tycoon Gu Xianrong, and one of his older siblings was Chiang Kai-shek confidant Gu Chenfu. At the time of the 228 massacre in 1947, he was a third-year university student and happened to be traveling in Hong Kong. After the massacre, he went into exile in Japan and founded the World United Formosans for Independence, becoming a fugitive for the ROC government. In 1972, he traveled in secret from Japan to Taiwan via Thailand. He met then-Premier Jiang Jingguo, calling on him to lift martial law, allow for freedom of speech, and lift the ban on forming political parties. After that, he was mostly known for his work to promote Taiwan's independence from the ROC publishing many materials on the matter and founding the Taiwan New Constitution Foundation. Activists say his passing on Monday marks the end of a chapter in the history of Taiwan's pro-independence activism. One of Taiwan's top search and rescue dogs has retired after five years of honorable service. Snow is one of New Taipei's most highly trained service dogs and has taken part in many high-profile rescue missions. Now, at the grand old age of nine years old, it's time for a rest. New Taipei is searching for an adoptive family to keep Snow company in her golden years. But as you might expect, the application process for such an honor is quite demanding. The dog follows each command immediately, sitting and lying down happily. She's full of life and loves to run and jump. New Taipei City Rescue Dog Snow is nine years old. The Border Collie Labrador Cross once won an award for cutest dog in a national fire agency competition. 
But don't let her adorable looks fool you. Snow is an elite rescue dog, trained in international rubble search and rescue skills. Within 30 minutes, she can sniff out three trapped humans in a 1,500 square meter area of rubble. Snow was exceptionally fast to train. She's extremely talented. Apart from her search and rescue skills, her most impressive skills are seeking attention and opening doors. Snow spent five years in active service, climbing walls higher than an adult's head and squeezing through sheets of metal to sniff out clues. She took part in the search and rescue mission of the 2020 Black Hawk helicopter crash and in searches for missing people such as in Manyueyuan National Forest Recreation Area and on Matcha Mountain. Now she's getting on in years, it's time to retire. Snow, Gentle-natured Snow likes to lie down and roll over for tummy rubs. Now her handlers are looking for an adoptive owner who will take care of her in later life. Their normal training involves lots of activity on mountainous terrain. That causes much more wear and tear on their spine and in the joints of their back legs that normal family pets would have. Prospective new owners will have to undergo written checks, an in-person evaluation, and an assessment of their financial and motivational fitness for the honor of being Snow's human. Before they can officially adopt her, they'll start with a one-month trial living together. Now that Snow is retired, New Taipei only has one advanced search and rescue dog in service. They are searching enthusiastically for an up-and-coming talent. An amateur photographer has won acclaim for his photos of the Dajia Mazu pilgrimage from the New York Photography Awards. Wang Chenzi won a clutch of gold medals for the three photos of the pilgrimage in Tainan. It's one of the iconic events of Taiwan's traditional culture. He says that before entering the contest, he asked the god Mazu which photo was the best bet. Her answer, just enter and you'll see. The Dajia Mazu pilgrimage sets off with a cacophony of drums and firecrackers. Thousands of believers throng the temple around the god's palanquin as spectacular fireworks light up the sky in this arresting photograph. In the next image, a Bajiajiang performer strikes a pose in front of an explosive firecracker's glow. And this shot shows the dragon pillars of Nankunshen Daitian Temple in Tainan. These three photos won Wang Chengzhe nine gold medals at the 2022 New York Photography Awards. I think this is quite a big scene. The perspective is like as if Matsu is inside the palanquin and how she sees the mass of living beings and how she enters the temple. It's quite a special angle. So I sent this photo into the competition and then it won. As an amateur photographer for more than 10 years, Wang focuses on traditional customs and religious culture. He first got interested in photography through religious events in Miaoli, and as the years go by, his portfolio grows even larger and more accomplished. I asked the goddess in a divination ritual which of the photos was more likely to win. She said, just enter and you'll see. So I did, and then I did win. I've won awards all the way from Moscow and Budapest to New York. I've started to get international recognition, which makes me feel I can keep going in this direction. Wang's pictures tell a vivid story. Now that story and Taiwan's religious traditions are gaining more and more exposure worldwide. Ministry of Health and Welfare on Monday held a press conference to address matters related to a recent medicine shortage in Taiwan. Patients and pharmacists say as many as 88 different kinds of drugs are currently in short supply in Taiwan. The ministry said the cause was global production problems as well as an uptick in respiratory disease cases in Taiwan. It advised the general public to switch to medications with the same active components for the time being if possible.
Over the past few days, pharmacies in Taiwan have been swept by medicine shortages. The Ministry of Health and Welfare explains why. Machine malfunctions have caused a global shortage of this particular drug, but it's been fixed now, so we expect imports to Taiwan will resume in early March. For example, production of proton pump inhibitor lansoprazole had been halted due to technical issues, which have now been resolved. Amid reports that some patients were reluctant to accept drug substitutes during the shortage, an FDA official had this to say. You shouldn't think that only the original medication you were taking is effective. Taiwan's drug factories are all PICS GMP compliant. That's a really high standard for production. All the medicines produced in Taiwan are just as good as the ones produced at the original factories. The health ministry said it would establish a drug shortage center to make medicine distribution more efficient and convenient. The shortage is spreading to more types of medications. It's more diverse. By working together across agencies, offices, departments, and even ministries, we can address these import problems. We need to bring all these together and not just have the Food and Drug Administration dealing with this matter on its own. The health ministry said the shortage prevention center would work with users such as patients, pharmacies, clinics and hospitals and collect feedback from associations. It will also negotiate with manufacturers and government agencies to offer timely updates on the situation. The profession of childcare is facing a labor shortage. Childcare has been an aging industry for some time and now more and more childminders are retiring and experts say a crisis is looming. The Pengwan Ru Foundation is dangling big subsidies in front of new childminders who enter the business. And the government is also relaxing rules for childcare agencies in the hope of tenting more people to give it a try. Looking after small children is a difficult job. Families with two parents working full-time can struggle to find a childminder. That sometimes means one parent giving up their job to care for the child. At first, I had two children going to kindergarten. I looked through so many jobs and sent off so many resumes to find a job that could fit with the schedule I had to pick up and drop the kids off at kindergarten, but none were suitable. In the end, I applied to become a home childminder so I could earn a stable income while looking after my children. Working and raising children simultaneously is tough, but now a new Childminders Alliance is giving new childminders professional classes so they can start their own businesses. When I worked at a child care center, it felt like just doing a job. They take on more children at the center than they should, but that didn't make my wages go up. At first, Zhang Zixuan worked alone. Her friend Yu Jing would often pop in for a chat and enjoyed helping so much that eventually the pair became a business duo. Parents have been telling us that they want to find a younger childminder, someone who's easier to communicate with. The childminding profession is aging. Only 40% of childminders are under the age of 50. The 60% who are 50 or over are approaching retirement soon. There are 27,000 childminders now. In 10 years, at least 10,000 of them will have retired, leaving a severe labor shortage. 60% of childminders will retire in the next 10 years. So in the next decade, we will see a tidal wave of turnover in the profession. It will be harder for parents to find childminders. For that reason, 
We believe that this is the last chance for us to bring new childminders into the world. The Ministry of Health and Welfare is making it easier to get into the job by amending the law on family care service agencies. They're allowing agencies to take in more children and increasing the number of official inspections. The Pongwanru Foundation is also offering subsidies of 5 million NT to help new childminders enter the industry in the hopes of making Taiwan a friendlier place for young families. An American YouTuber who writes Mandarin language songs is gearing up for a bicycle tour of Taiwan. The humorous political songs of Grey Guitar often feature criticism of China's government attracting many fans online. Now, the guitar teacher is making a round-the-island tour of Taiwan. As one of his songs says, he hopes it will wash the dust off his heart. YouTube users are captivated by Grey Guitar's self-composed Mandarin language songs. The lyrics of this song are a scathing attack on China's totalitarian regime. And I hope that we never meet again. Even political news like the career trajectory of China's wolf warrior diplomat Zhao Lijian is fodder for the singer's light-hearted musical musings. He has over 5,000 followers on YouTube. Grey Guitar's channel features guitar lessons and daily live vlogs, but most popular is his music. His Instagram profile promises humorous songs attacking the CCP. And now, his fans have good news. With this photo of himself on a bike with a Taiwan flag in hand, he announced a Taiwan-wide tour. His bags are already packed. Hi everyone, I want to introduce the bags I'm going to take to Taiwan, the compass. This is a light clip. A big Taiwan flag also adorns the bag. The tour begins in early March. This song is all about his anticipation. Taiwanese netizens have rushed to welcome Grey Guitar with open arms. They hope a tour of Taiwan's beautiful landscape will inspire even more songs in the future. Construction is well underway on Phase 2 of Kaohsiung's new circular light rail line. In February, the team completed a transplant of a massive tree to make space for a new station. The majestic tree had to be removed at night to minimize disruption. It will be transplanted to a new home at the Kaohsiung Museum of Fine Arts. But digging it up from the middle of a busy intersection at midnight was a real challenge. We spent the evening with the team to find out what it takes to rehome a giant. It's 9 a.m. at a busy intersection in Kaohsiung. Traffic restrictions go into effect as construction workers start to move this rain tree to a new home to make space for phase two of the light rail project. Towering above Dashun Road at more than 10 meters tall, this rain tree has stood here more than two decades. The team first prayed to the tree and greeted it, wishing for a smooth operation tonight. The tree is dug out of the ground and two cranes are hard at work pruning its branches. The plan is to place the new light rail station exactly where the tree stands now, but the team are trying to preserve as much as they can. 
This is a rather old part of the city. There are lots of roads intersecting here and the roads are curved. It's very difficult in terms of maintaining the traffic. The apartment I rent myself is right next to the light rail line. Before they begin construction, they negotiate with the local borough chief and with local residents. Of course they're working at night, from 9pm right through to 3am. We want to let them finish the job with as little disturbance as possible to the traffic network in the city. The giant cranes and forklift truck work together. As the tree falls to its side, heavy machinery is on hand as well. Everyone's on alert to make sure there are no mishaps. The difficult thing about working at night is you have to be fast. This is a residential area and they want us finished by midnight. If we start at 9pm, we just have three hours. You have to prune the tree, package it, dig it out of the ground, load it onto the truck, and it must not be too wide or too tall to take on the exit route you've arranged. The tree will take up residence at a new home in Kaohsiung Museum of Fine Arts. There, it will have plenty of space to extend its branches, bringing leafy shade to the hillside and sheltering a new generation of Kaohsiung residents. The east coast of Taiwan is a major producer of loquats, locally known as pipa. And if you're a fan of the fruit, we've got good news for you. Farmers say that though the cold and wet winter means the harvest will come later than usual, it will be 10% more bountiful than last year. The rainy weather means the loquats have grown plump and juicy, and farmers are hoping to make even more from selling flowers, leaves and roots, which are all used in traditional Chinese herbal remedies. This year, the harvest season is expected to last until early April. So, if you're feeling an itch for this seasonal delicacy, March is the month for you.